Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So getting into this new series, uh, the last series that we talked about, um, we were talking about balance. And as you recall, we said some things like there's character and there's power. Some people uh, only focus on the character part of Christianity, and they actually mock the power part. And then there's some that just, they're just all about the power, and they ignore the character. But God is, in, you know, God is really into true balance, and, and, and it's really good to be balanced. So we, we want to have power, but we also want to pursue the character side and have that balance. Well, the same thing is true with the balance of finances or provision, and it's really easy to get off balance when you start looking into this area. So as we go into this, we just know that you know, balance is the key to life, and we want to make sure as we teach and preach this that we always stay balanced, okay? And uh, if we do that, uh, then we won't go off in a wrong way. And when it comes to provision and finances, one of the ways that Christians can get off is it can become a greed thing. And you know, greed is not good. Uh, so you'll, as we get into this, just know that we're always going to stay balanced as we go through this series, okay? So Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, uh, it tells us this. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so there, there's a few thoughts there. This is Old Testament, but what you see that God said in the Old Testament that he actually gives power or ability to get wealth. And, and when you think about that, you know, if we really stay uh, grace-focused uh, and allow God to empower us, uh, having our needs met should not be, uh, and even prospering should not be a, a burden-heavy thing because he wants to give power so we can get wealth. And then notice the purpose for wealth in that scripture, that he may establish his covenant. So it's not all about ourselves. And uh, so that's a good scripture to just start off on. And as we go through this, we're going to take six weeks. And in this series, we have a guest, uh, a guest ministry coming in. So we'll have a couple weeks and then a guest coming in, and then we'll have some more. Uh, but today, what we want to look at and, uh, and I'm, I'm just calling it this for today, spiritual and material riches, okay? Spiritual and material riches. So, you know, spiritual, you can't see that. Material, you can see that. That's the way to look at it. So there's like spiritual wealth, but then there is material wealth. The material wealth you can see, the spiritual wealth, uh, you know, it, right now there, there's a spiritual realm there's angels in this room. We can't see angels in this room, but they're there. God is a spirit, okay? And uh, we, we people, we have a spirit. Uh, we live in a body, and we have a soul, okay? So actually, we can't see our spirits, but we have a spirit in our body. So there's a spiritual realm. And what I found very interesting, uh, and, and I really didn't notice this until a couple years ago, and it started to work on the inside of me, and then once you notice something and it starts working on the inside of you, eventually you'll, you're able to put it down 
and get clarity on it. Uh, and and when, when you do these kind of things, I know there's nothing new under the sun, so I'm sure somewhere under the sun somebody has taught this before. But uh, I just saw it a, a couple years ago. As a result, I was FaceTiming Patsy, you know, and I just bounced it off of her. I like to do that. If, if there's something I, I uh, thought, I, I didn't notice this before, I like to bounce it off somebody before I actually bring it into a public place. So I, I think it's really interesting how there's a contrast between the old and the new covenant. And when you look at the old and the new and you see what's valuable in the old and even what's valuable in the new and what's emphasized in the old and what's emphasized in the new, it's really interesting. So here's some, here's some things that we're gonna look at today and you'll see what I'm talking about as we get into it. So here's the first one, like greatness, greatness. Now, you know, there's people, they want to be great. And I remember when Facebook first came out and there were some really uh, people that are geared this way and everyone's geared differently. Like, I'm kind of geared where I would have been really happy if God let me stay behind the scenes and not be out public, but that wasn't what he allowed. That's, that isn't what he wanted. But then there's other people that are geared, they really want to be out in the public and they really want to be great, you know? They want to be known. And so we, and everything in between. And, and um, so it's, it's interesting. So when Facebook came out, there was talk like, oh man, you could put something on there and do a post, and it could go viral, and it could go to millions of people. And, and there, was, there was some excitement about, it. just think, what if I posted something and it went viral, you know, and, and, I, and millions of people saw it. You know, and I, and I never, because of the way I'm geared, I never thought about that. But some people think of those things and they go, man, I, I'll just, I could become great overnight. You know, and, and if you think about the Bible, it's interesting. Did you ever notice where God found people in the Bible? He found them out in the wilderness. David was out with a few sheep and God chose him. You know, there was uh, people plowing in the field, fishermen. God, God goes to the play, unusual places to find people, you know, and so, you know, I don't think he's going to change, and I don't think Facebook is where God's finding people. It's, it's okay, you know, I'm not against Facebook or anything, but God still goes to where people are working, normal people being faithful, working, out in the wilderness, plowing, fishing. God goes there to find people. So there's not going to be a shortcut because we got Facebook now. But um, if you look at this greatness, um, what you see here, it's, it's interesting what in the Old Testament, what it was great, and it's interesting in the New Testament, it was great. So look at Job chapter one and verse number three. It says, his possessions included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. In addition, he had a very great household. Thus, he was the greatest of all the people in the East. Now, look at in the Old Testament what greatness was associated with. Uh, 7,000 sheep. Now, you know, if they were in New Zealand, they'd have a lot more sheep than that. But there's 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500, 500 female donkeys, in addition, a very great household. It's all things, and he was the greatest of all people in the East. He was great because of things, okay? Then go over to Matthew chapter 20 and look at verse number 26. And what you see there, and this is Jesus talking, he said, it must not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. So isn't that interesting? What we see here is a contrast with greatness. And so in the old covenant, great is associated with the accumulation of things. 
that the accumulation of things, they said, you're the greatest man in the East. In the New Testament, the New Covenant, great is associated with the humbling of oneself to serve. So you see, as we get starting to get into this, you see this contrast. And it brought up a, a something that happened in Singapore when we were living in Singapore and we were doing a Bible school there. And there was a lady that sat on the front row. Patricia was her name. Uh, I won't tell you her last name because she's probably on Facebook. <laughs> but, but her name was Patricia. And in Singapore, you can tell when people have money because you can see sometimes the way they dress. And Singapore is that mysterious place where you think, where is all the money coming from? Uh, but this, this lady had that kind of money. So like you, somebody, like we could have a guest minister come in and that happened with Patsy and myself. You could teach something that really blessed her and then she'll just walk up and give you one of those handshakes with something in it. And so the first time she did it, did, did a handshake and it was a check for 2,000 Singapore dollars. She goes, I really got blessed today. You know, sometimes 5,000 Singapore dollars, and she would do that. She just had a lot of money, and she had servants. You know, Singapore is a country, and their culture is, you know, you bring people in from the outside, and they're domestic servants, maids. You know, so they had a number of maids in their house. They had somebody that cuts the grass, somebody that cleaned the house, somebody that cooks, that kind of wealth, okay? So, um, so in the Bible school, we had this thing where you had to serve in your church, and so we were encouraging people, like, you got to clean, and you got to, wherever you go to church, clean your church and do this. And some of the ones that went through Bible school, they, you guys know what we do with serving. So she came, and she said, I, that's so insulting. You're wanting me to put clothes on to work in and clean? She, she, she said, that's below me. You know, and it's interesting. And she felt like she should, you know, be able to skip through all those things because she had all this great wealth. So we said, listen, if you want God to choose you someday and you want him to say, yes, I want to use you, I said, you're going to have to someday be willing to humble yourself and do something like that. And we didn't know how that was going to go. But, you know, people have good, you know, anybody that's born again, they really have good hearts because the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God gets on the inside of us, and there's not that many bad people in the kingdom. There's mostly all good people in the kingdom. And she humbled herself, and she put work clothes on, and she started cleaning in her church, and she was shocked because she was, it really made her happy. It really makes you happy when you humble yourself and serve. And so, so, so you can see that you know, what she thought great was, if you only read the Old Testament, you can really get off on what you think great is. But great in the New Testament is actually serving. So, so when you think about yourself, here's a way to apply this. When you think about yourself and, we're, and, and how God sees you and even how you see yourself, just know that greatness in the kingdom of God is just normal people who humble themselves and decide to serve in God's kingdom. And, and, and God sees that as being great. Uh, and you know, here's the cool thing. We've all seen faithful people who humble themselves and decided to serve and isn't it amazing that God then, it, when he chooses to raise them up, he, he does make them famous, and they do get wealthy. But it came from humbling themselves and serving. Okay, uh, let's talk about it. Let's look at another one. Inheritance. Inheritance. Let's look at this contrast. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 22. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. 
So what we see here in context, this is talking about wealth. And you know, it's really good to leave things for your children. You, you know, when, uh, I don't know how long ago, but I decided, you know, we're missionaries, but nonetheless, we, we you know, just because you're a missionary, God can still bless you financially. But so I, I got a savings account for both of our daughters. And of course, you know, I wanted to do a lot more, but did, we did what we could do. But when they were a certain age, I said, okay, now you're at this age, and so I'm turning this over to you, and here's some finances. And it was a wonderful thing to be able to do it. So just know that I'm not against that kind of stuff. So because you're hearing what I'm saying now doesn't mean that's, that's still a good thing to do, okay? So, but you see in the Old Testament that, that it's talking about inheritance. In the Old Testament, it's material things. You see that? Now look at here in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 5. It says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you. Now, isn't that interesting here that when you go to the New Testament and you see uh, inheritance here, it's something that we can give, but it's in the realm of the Spirit. And so you see that he's saying, hey, there was, there was faith in your grandmother. I saw that same faith in your mother, and I'm persuaded that it's in you also. So isn't that interesting that when you come over to the New Testament, it, uh, it's, it's so much not so about material, but it's so much about spiritual. God does meet our needs, but you can see uh, it's, a, it's different. All right, so look at this scripture, 1 Peter chapter uh, 1 and verse number 4. Okay, it says, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven, for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. So there again, when you look at the New Testament, you see spiritual is really big, okay? Material is not so big. God wants to meet all of our needs and he wants to prosper us and all those things, but you see that, you know, that's just a byproduct, but the important thing you see is spiritual. So we can say legacy you know, and, and you know, when you want to leave a legacy, the best legacy that we can leave, like get, get our family saved, get your kids born again if they're not, uh, get, get them filled with the Holy Ghost, get them established in the Word of God, because what you see there is he said, hey, I saw the faith in your grandmother, I saw it in your mother, and I, I'm persuaded it's in you. That is one of the best legacies we can do, is to make sure we minister to our children, and hallelujah, and then their children too. So you see uh, in the New Testament, uh, inheritance, you see there's a spiritual inheritance. And, and the cool thing is, there's even an inheritance waiting for us up in heaven. And the devil can't mess with it. If there's an, a crash in the economy, an, an economic crash can't mess with it. It's there for us. Glory to God. Uh, let's look at another one. Let's look at beauty, you know. And, uh, and yeah, so I was... <laughs> I was going to make a remark about myself, but I'm, I, I won't be too cheeky. No, it's, it's okay. So, hey, you know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, what you see some things about outer beauty, okay? The queen, you know, when, when it, it talks about queens and their clothing. So look at, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, like, you know, we know that there was queens, and it talked about how they dressed and how beautiful they were. But look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. 
Instead, it should be of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And so you see there uh, that in the New Testament versus the Old, uh, you really can't find anywhere in the New Testament that talks about what people look like. But what you see in the New Testament when it talks about beauty, it talks about inner beauty. Now that doesn't mean we, you know, we, we can take care of ourselves, you know, put some deodorant on. <laughs> but, but, but you see, it's, it's about inner, it's about inner, you know? And, uh, and so uh, thank God that, you know, it's being beautiful on the inside. The Bible even talks about t- telling wives the best way to win a husband over the, the, that's not saved is to have that gentle and quiet spirit. And notice what it says there. It says, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, I like to underline stuff if you haven't noticed. <laughs> but now, in this case, I actually made it bold and I underlined it both. Because really what you see there, what's what is really of great worth in the sight of God and what's really of great worth in the sight of God is that having a gentle and quiet spirit, having that inner beauty. In other words, when you're born again and the love of God and the fruit of the spirit and all that gets put on the inside of us, it's really valuable to God. God sees that when we let that come out, when we walk in love, when we have a meek and uh, and gentle spirit. Those things are big and they're very valuable in the sight of God, okay? Let's look at another one. Let's look at riches, okay? So riches in 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 2, okay? 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 2, it says there that she arrived in Jerusalem with a great display of pomp, bringing with her camels and carrying spices a very large quantity of gold and precious gems. And then jumping down to verse 10, it says, she gave the king 120 talents of gold, a very large quantity of spices and precious gems. The quantity of spices the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon has never been matched. So what you see there, uh, riches, when somebody showed up, they wanted to give some things. They wanted to do something material and give some things, okay? And the, the queen of Sheba was very wealthy, Uh, and beautiful powerful all those kind of things and so then over in the new testament look at this uh, in ephesians chapter 3 looking at this contrast in verse number 8 it says unto me who am least than the least of all saints is this grace given that i should preach among the gentiles and it says now look at the unsearchable riches of christ Okay, and then jumping down to verse 16, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so you see, uh, in the New Testament, we have these spiritual riches. Now, the spiritual riches, and when you follow God, you'll end up getting blessed with material riches. But what you see is really emphasized, and what's a big thing in the New Covenant is the spiritual riches. And uh, so it reminds me of this thing, uh, this story. There was a guy, his nickname, we called him Dudes. Dudes. D-U-D-E apostrophe S. That was his nickname, Dudes. We all went to Bible school together back, way back early in the, 
in, in 1981 or something, we uh, all, about six of us drove from Ohio down to Oklahoma, you know, and, um, and so dudes, dudes could quote the whole book of Ephesians. I'm serious, New Te- uh, King James Version. You know, so you could say, hey, dudes, quote Ephesians. And he would just start, and he would quote the whole book of Ephesians, man. He was like on fire. And then we got down to Oklahoma, and he went to, somebody invited him to a house meeting, and it was Amway or some one of those multi-level marketing things. And so they got him into thinking, hey, man, you can build your own network. And I'm not against Amway, by the way. It's a Christian organization. They got a lot of people saved. So don't take this, like, take this in a balanced way. You'll understand what I'm saying as you listen to this. But they got him into, you know, getting into Amway, uh, and they got him into uh, building his own network, you know. And, and here's what happened. He got so into that that eventually he could no longer quote the book of Ephesians. He was no longer on fire for God, okay? He was a very different guy, and unfortunately, he backslid to the point where he started to even smoke marijuana, do drugs. He messed up his liver, had to get a liver transplant. I mean, it's not, it's not the best of stories, but I, we knew dudes when he was on fire. And see, really, finances and that kind of thing should not be so big in our life that we actually turn from God and the things of God because we desire material wealth so bad. And, and so you see that spiritual riches and pursuing the kingdom of God is big. And God, God, he really wants to bless us, but you know, we know the scripture, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. The best thing we can do is seek the kingdom of God and allow him to add things. Okay, so here's, here's the scriptures. Uh, here's what Jesus said concerning measuring life in the New Testament. Okay, so uh, measuring life in the New Testament, Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, it, it says, uh, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Uh, so to help us out with that, you know, what, you know, what is that? It's, it's, uh, that's New King James. One's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things he possesses. So here's a few different translations here uh, to help us get that better. The Message Bible says, life is not defined by what you have. This is Jesus talking. The Bible in basic English a man's life is not made up of the number of things which he has. Okay, this is the New Living Test, uh, New Living Translation. Life is not measured by how much you own. Uh, so these are just different translations. So uh, what you see there is when you uh, consider who you are, you know, who are you? And what defines you? Is it what you have materially? Is that who you are? And is that what defines you? And Jesus says now, that's not what a man's life consists. The things that you have, it's not what defines you, okay? Uh, And so we just know that uh, in the realm of the spirit, uh, and I I got this thing, I don't know if I put it up there, but uh, I'll just read this. Who you are in the realm of the spirit isn't defined by what you have in the natural. 
who you are in the realm of the spirit isn't defined by what you have in the natural. And so as some of you know that we travel for like 28 years as traveling ministers uh, before we were t- uh, instructed by the Lord to, to begin to pastor. Uh, so we, you know, you could see that you think about the hundreds, we sat with hundreds of pastors and had lunch with a lot of pastors and had a lot of different conversations with pastors. So this one particular pastor, he had a theory, and you can see if you just stay in the Old Testament and you don't, uh, you, don't ba- you don't understand New Testament and you just stay in the Old Testament, this pastor told us this. He said, uh, he picked us up at the airport and, and it was in a, he used his van, it was like a Chrysler van, and he had the, the, the wheels had, they were gold, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you got nice wheels, you guys that like cars, when you put some nice wheels on, well, his nice wheels were gold, all the trim, instead of being like silver or stainless steel looking, the trim was gold, and this, it was like decked out with, you could watch TV coming from the airport if we wanted to watch TV in the van, it was a decked out van, we got to a big nice house, and pulled in with uh, one of the Mercedes or BMWs there that that's the car he drove. There was like a prophet's chamber in the house that we could really have our own room. It was like really plush, monstrous. This is years ago, big old screen with cable. We could have, you know, we could have just got into entertaining ourselves instead of praying and seeking God for ministry in that prophet's chamber, you know. And we're thinking, man, this, this guy really must be doing good in the ministry. You know, and then we drove up to the church property and it was like a ran down building that needed taken care of, you know, old, however you say that, you know, really needed some work. And he was telling us at the house, he said, you know, I really believe that when your neighbors and the people see how much you have, they're going to think, how did you get that? Can you, you know, and then you're going to be able to, it opens up the door, then you can say, Jesus gave it all to me. And that was his theory. So he, he felt like that was like how you're going to get people saved. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, if that was true, there's a lot of wealthy people that aren't Christians. You know, they're, they're, you know so, so you, you can see how you can, get off in the, these things so a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance now don't don't misunderstand me god wants to bless us and he wants to increase us but if we think that uh you know wearing like three thousand dollar suits and then somebody's going to come up like where'd you get that suit well i serve jesus oh well i want to well is that really why we want somebody to come into the kingdom of god because we have things and then so they're going to come into the kingdom to get things is, is that the way it is? I, well, I don't think that's really uh, the way it is. Okay. Now, let me, let me say this, and, uh, and we won't go much longer today, but um, thank God then, I want to say this. Where does that leave? What, what about somebody that really is wealthy, and what about business people? Like, what, what, what can we see in the Bible? Are they valuable in the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because in Romans chapter 12... <laughs> In verse number six, look at Romans 12 and verse six, it says, uh, it says, having then gifts, notice it's, these are gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Now look, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, uh, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering, he who teaches in teaching, and then look at, it says, he who exhorts in exhortation, and then it says, he who gives 
with liberality. Now, it's very interesting, in Romans chapter 12 here, these are, you know, some people, uh, theologians, people that do that, they call that, the, that portion of Scripture the body gifts. So, you know, you have the ascension gifts in, in Ephesians. That's when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts unto men, and he gave pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. Those are what you call the ascension gifts. Well, these are, are generally called the body gifts. In other words, in a local church, you have all these gifts placed in local churches, which would be the body gifts, okay? And so within a local church, you have all this. God puts business people in churches. And if, if you see the way that God sees it, it's pretty valuable because he actually gifts, he gifts people with giftings so they can make money. And then with the, the finances that they are able to make, they can put it into the kingdom of God. And so he said a person like that give... And, he, and then give liberally, okay? So if you're with us today and you're a business person, God values that in the kingdom and he actually puts giftings in people so they can make money so they can help the kingdom of God go forward, okay? Now, along these lines, it's amazing. What, what, like when we were living in Singapore, there was a pastor there, and I think he's still alive. He was older than me, uh, and his name was Ronnie Tan, Okay, and Ronnie, uh, he, he, before he became a Christian, he was an Elvis impersonator, you know? And th then he got saved, and the Lord, he eventually got into the ministry. But Ronnie, you know, and how it can be like he's little guy, you know, uh, in, in many ways, just like small bones and all that, just a small guy, uh, very sweet man. So his church was full, he had no chairs left in his church, so he decides, which that's way back, it was getting popular to build another location, and then you put the same thing going here on a screen, so he was going to get another, he bought land, and he's going to build a building in a different location, and then get a, you know, get, get a screen there, and, they, and, have, and be in two places at one time. So it was a $54 million project, $54 million, and he presented it to the church one time. He said, we're going to do this. We're going to build. It's going to be $54 million. So a number of months later, and Ronnie Tan told Patsy and myself this story personally. Uh, we were sitting, and he's telling us a businessman in his church asked him out to lunch and said, Ronnie, I, I, got, I have a bone to pick with you. And, and Ronnie goes, you know, like after they ate, you know, they properly, you know, in the Asian culture, they ate and everything, and then it was done all the right way because it's a very respectful culture. And so then he said, I got a bone to pick with you. And Ronnie says, okay, what is it? He said, you put one time on the screens that we were building a new building for $54 million, and we haven't heard a thing since. You should have put a, you know, business people think this way. You should have put a graph together. You should have did some kind of thing and show us the progress we're making. But no, we haven't heard anything for months. And then the businessman goes, but nonetheless, Ronnie, Pastor Ronnie, here's my offering. It was $4 million. Check for $4 million. Singapore. And, um, and Ronnie, Tan, Pastor Ronnie Tan goes, well, thank you so much. He goes, you know, we had $50 million and all we needed is $4 million more. Uh, it's, it's paid for. One announcement. Singapore's an amazing place. <laughs> 
But, but see, the reason $54 million came in like that with one announcement is because that church had a bunch of business people in there and they were doing exactly what the Bible says. So you think, are business and p- people important in the kingdom? Yes, they are. And we really should even be praying for our business people that God blesses them because they're, they're very valuable. You know, uh, without our business people in this church, you know, our normal tithes and offerings aren't really enough to keep things going. But our business people in this church, they'll write out big big offerings and thank God we have good financial management and when they write those big offerings out we'll put them aside and then when you know when necessary we can pull it out and it makes up the difference so thank God for our business people we're able to keep going because of our business people so so uh, if you're with us and you're thinking well I've been having a little tug in my heart maybe maybe I should go into business you know pursue that pray about it because uh, you know God you know, there's a, such a thing as that, like when you're born again, you know, he'll put creativity on the inside of you and he'll give you creative ideas. Glory to God. Praise, praise God. Okay, Father, I just thank you for everyone that's here today, Lord. Uh, this part that we looked at today, Lord, I, I thank you that you help us to understand, Father God, that you want to bless us. Father, you want to increase us, Lord. But we don't go after things, Father God. Uh, We thank you, Father, that we can stay balanced when it comes to finances and provision, Father God. Uh, We thank you that we value, value spiritual wealth, Lord. We value the things of God. We thank you for that, Father. Father, I thank you for this time in the service now. And Lord, I thank you that if there would be anyone with us this morning that uh, they don't have spiritual wealth, uh, Father, they're, they're, they're not in the kingdom. Uh, they don't know Jesus as Lord. Father, thank you for speaking to their hearts today, Lord. Thank you for making it clear that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. And Father, we thank you that you make it clear today to every person sitting in here that there's only one way to heaven. And when Jesus walked on the earth, Heavenly Father, he told us that way. He said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man can come to the Father except through me. So, Lord, thank you for making that clear today that there's only one way. There's not a bunch of ways to heaven, but there is only one way to heaven, and that way is through Jesus Christ, your Son. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for speaking to people's hearts and making that really clear There's no alternative way to heaven. Thank you, Lord. Uh, With eyes closed today, I'm going to just speak. If you're with us today, if everyone could please close their eyes, and I'm going to especially speak to anyone that would be here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, the only way to get to heaven is through him. You might have a lot of things going on on the inside of you thinking, well, is this really true? Is he the only way? I'm a good person. I, I do nice things. I help people. And, and God would never, you know, isn't that enough? And, and actually, no, it isn't enough. Uh, your good works cannot get you to heaven. Your good works cannot save you. And so if you have those kind of questions going on on the inside of you, church membership doesn't save you, growing up in a Christian family doesn't save you, the Lord is answering your question, no, It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord. And the Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess Jesus 
and believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the way to get there. We want to do this wonderful thing today, and we want to pray a prayer with uh, the whole congregation this morning. And if you're with us today, you have this opportunity to get in on this prayer. And if you have that hunger in your heart, and you have that knowing in your heart that you need a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior, we invite you to pray this prayer with us as we say it today. So go, go on and pray this with us. And when you pray it, the reason we close our eyes is because when you close your eyes, you can concentrate and you can pray this with your heart. So let's do this uh, together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. You died for me. You went to hell for me. You were raised from the dead for me. Thank you so much. Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe in my heart, God raised you from the dead. Thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. You first loved me, and now I can return my love to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.